How good it is to be in God's house. Amen. Praise God. Well, it's good to be back behind this table on Wednesday evening. Finished up our my last series uh, probably now three weeks ago because we had a little break in there uh, all about faith. But tonight, being that we're halfway through the year, I want to go back and start a new mini-series based on our church vision, which is all about love, growth, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I figured that we need to bring this back to the forefront because if we want really to accomplish this vision, we have to be mindful of it all the time. Amen. We can't let it fall to the wayside, but that's what we're going to try to focus on in the next two or three weeks, looking at that. But the really for the only way for this vision to happen about love, growth and purpose is for us to be purposed in it. Amen. We have to be devoted to it. We have to be reminded of it. We have to be reminded that this vision right here this is why I wore this T-shirt, by the way, that says love, growth and purpose in Christ. Uh, we have to be reminded that this vision has to be more than a T-shirt, it has to be more than a banner. It has to be more than business cards. It has to be more than a sign that's out there on the street. We have to be the vision. We have to be the mission statement. We have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We have to be the ones that make this mission statement. South Metro exists to help others find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. We have to be the hands and feet of that. And that's why I want to go back to this series, because I want us to all understand that we are responsible as a body to help make this vision come to pass. It's not all just on the pastor who stands up behind the pulpit. It's not all just on the ministry team and the staff pastors. It's all of us because we're all part of the body of Christ and we're all part of the family of South Metro. Amen. So we all have to understand our responsibility. So over the next three to four weeks, I'm going to be looking at how love, growth and purpose uh, have to play a vital part of who we are at South Metro. But especially as individuals. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be asking, how are you loving? How are you growing? And how are you fulfilling your purpose in Christ? Because the reality is, if we're not loving, and if we're not growing, and if we are not fulfilling God's purpose in our lives, then we're not fulfilling the vision. And the reality is, all we will ever be is a t-shirt. And all we will ever be is a slogan. And all we'll ever be is a banner. I don't know about you, but I want to be more than this T-shirt. Amen. There's nothing wrong with wearing it. It's why I'm wearing it now. But I hope that we all desire to be more than a T-shirt. So in order for that to happen, we truly have to understand what God is speaking to us through this vision of why South Metro ministry exists. And that is to help others find love, growth and purpose in life. Amen. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. I want to look at the love aspect of our vision I might be two weeks on that. This is however the Lord leads. Amen. And then the next couple of weeks, we'll look at growth and we'll look at purpose as well. But let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time because I need him and I believe you need him. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're in this place. We thank you, Father God, for the grace that we sang about and how good you are, Father God, no matter what time it is, what season it is, or no matter where we might be. So I thankful, Father God, tonight that you're with us and that you're a good and a great God. 
So we pray that your spirit would fill this place, that you would anoint me as you always do, that you would anoint your people, Father, that you would rule and reign, God, in this place and in the moments that we're together in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that wherever we are, God, when we gather in your name, there you are in the midst of us. So we thank you for your presence and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word that's going to come forth. And I'm thankful, Father God, even more for what your word is going to do in our lives. So we give you the praise and the glory and ask that you'd come against all the distractions and the disruptions of the week, the day, the concerns that we might have. And we lay them at your feet right now and ask that you would take them. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to start with 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I've got a lot of scriptures. I hope that we can get them up on the board. But I really wanted to give the scriptures not for you to know what I feel about love, but I want you to get an understanding about what the Word of God says about love and our responsibility as Christians to be filled with the nature of God, which is love. Amen? So 1 John 4, 7 and 8, God said this. He said, Beloved... And I'm going to stop right there because what he means by beloved, he is speaking to the church. A beloved meaning the the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ or beloved meaning the family of God. So he says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. So, beloved, let us love one another. And if you hear nothing tonight, I want you to hear those words. Beloved, let us love one another. Because how many of you know this world is filled with hate? And this world is filled with anger. And this world is filled with selfishness. And this world is filled with all sorts of other things that are contrary to love. And if this world needed anything like we did, church, we need the love of Christ. We needed it, and the world still needs it. And we are the ones that are to be filled with it so the world can find it. Amen? So if you hear nothing else here, beloved, let us love one another. But the first thing that we have to understand about our vision, and the first thing that we need to understand about our Christianity and our walk in faith, is that it must be built and based on love. Because the reality is, without love, and the love that we're talking about, I'll get to and I'll define it, but without the love of God, or the love of Christ in our heart, nothing about our vision can stand. Nothing about our vision will be true. Nothing about our vision will be accomplished. Without love, the kingdom can't move forward. Without love, we can't be a reflection of the Father. Without love, the reality is there's no hope, because without love, or the love of God, there's no thing called salvation. Without the love of God, there's no thing called forgiveness. Without the love of God, there's no restoration to the Father or fellowship with the Father. So without this love that I'm talking about, there is no hope. So what you and I need to understand at the base of our hope, at the base of our faith, at the base of our salvation, at the base of our fellowship with the Father, at the base of our forgiveness, at the base of our salvation is this divine thing called love. And that's what we are to be filled with, and that's what I'm going to talk about. It must be part of our vision. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life, church. Love was God's motivating factor in sending His Son. 
Love was his motivating factor in forgiving you and me. Love was his motivating factor in restoring us and redeeming us, church. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. I want you to understand that the motive behind his gift was love. And the motive behind everything we do as a Christian, the motive behind everything we do as sons and daughters and offspring of God must be love. If we do not have love at the basis of our Christianity or our faith, our faith is a fraud. If we do not have love and operate in love and speak in love and preach in love and teach in love and walk in love, the Scripture is full of those things. The reality is then our Christianity is a fraud. We must be filled with love. The reality is... The family of God was birthed out of this thing, and it's not really a thing. It's the character and nature of God. The family of God was birthed out of the nature of God. That's who He is. God is love. And everything else about God is built and birthed out of love. Love was the seed that brought forth the family of God. Love is what brought you out of darkness into His glorious light. Love is what found you when you were lost. Love is what turned your life around. Love is what broke the chains. Love is what opened prison doors. Love of God or the love of God was the motivating factor. It's the reason you're sitting here tonight. It's the reason I'm standing here tonight. The love of God reached into my life and it transformed me, church. And without the love of God, I wouldn't be here and neither would you. And the reality is without the love of God permeating our life and flowing out of our life, to the world out there and to our brothers and sisters around us, our faith walk is a fraud. I don't want to be a fraud, amen? So we have to be filled with the love of God. For God demonstrated His own love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Again, another word, anywhere you see it in Scripture, underline that word demonstrated. He demonstrated his love towards us because the reality is, understand, God didn't just talk about his love. God didn't just go to his print shop in heaven and make a big banner that says, I love you, and hang it down from heaven. He didn't go to the quickie mart and print up a bunch of these t-shirts and hand them out that said, I love you. God demonstrated his love towards us. And while we were still sinners, church, he died for us. He put his love into action. His love became flesh, the Bible tells us, and dwelt among us. And it was full of grace and it was full of truth, the Bible says. And if we want to be filled with grace in this world, and we want to be filled with truth in this world, guess what has to be at the bottom of our heart? It must be the love of God. You cannot show grace without love. You cannot be filled with truth or speak the truth without the love of God saturating your soul. Everything we say, everything we sing, everything we do, everything I preach, if it is not built on love, it's a lie. And it's false, and it has no power. Everything we do must be built on love. God put his love into action, church. It became flesh, like I said, and it dwelt among us. And if we want our vision to become a reality, if we want our vision to be more than a T-shirt, if we want our vision to be more than a trinket or a token or something that we give out here when people leave and they stick it on the back of their car, if we want it to be more than a slogan or a banner, it must become flesh in our lives as well. 
the word or the, the love of God must become flesh in our lives or it will not be true like I said. We must demonstrate our love and we must become the vision. Jesus said in John 15:12, "This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you." And what you need to understand and I hope you do is that the way God loved us was selflessly and unconditionally. So what God is saying here is that you as my offspring, you need to love one another the same way I loved you. And he made it a command. He said, this is my command. He didn't say this is my suggestion. And he didn't say this is my advice. He, he said, this is my command that you love one another. He didn't say this is my recommendation or this is an idea that he had. He, he was commanding his offspring. He was commanding the family of God. This is my command that you love one another like I loved you. If you're ever questioning the kind of love that we are supposed to have for our brothers or our sisters, if you ever wonder the kind of love that we're supposed to be demonstrating out there in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, if you ever wonder the kind of love we're supposed to be demonstrated toward the sinner and the saint, it's the same exact love that God demonstrated towards us 2,000 years ago when He hung Himself up on a cross and He died for our sins. God demonstrated His love towards us, and while we were stinking sinners, He died for us. And we must keep that in mind whenever we speak to a lost and a dying world. We must keep that in mind every time we talk to the sinner out there. Because if God talked to us like sometimes we talk to the sinner, my God, I don't know where we'd be. But every time God spoke, He spoke in love. And the only way we will make a difference out there in that world, listen, I'm not saying that we excuse sin or justify sin, but if you're going to confront the sinner, you better do it in love. Because that's exactly how God confronted us in our lost condition. He spoke in love. And He demonstrated it, church. And this is what He's commanding us to do. He said, love one another like I have loved you. And God loved us with more than words. He loved us indeed. He loved us in action. He demonstrated the love that He had towards us. And it's exactly what we must do as well. That's how God loved us. Unconditionally and sacrificially. That's the way we're to love one another. The truth is, according to Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, the greatest commandment in Scripture, number one command, first command in Scripture, was built on love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, God said. Number one command in Scripture was based on love. And the second is just the same. Love your neighbor... As yourself. Those are the first two great, those are the two greatest commandments in Scripture, and they are built on love. So that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind as we go through our life that every day we step out, we have to step out under the authority of that command that I must be driven by love today. When I go to work and my boss is a jerk or my coworkers this and my coworkers that, guess what? Every step you take should be filled or should be a step filled with love. Every word that I speak should be a word that is filled with love. That does not mean that I can't talk about Jesus. Doesn't mean I can't talk about Scripture. Doesn't mean that I can't talk about things that that 
are contrary to what God wants in people's lives. But if I don't base it on love, it's going to come out wrong, church. And it's going to turn the people off instead of drawing them near. The love of God. Listen, we love God because He first loved us. He demonstrated that's why we love Him. And if you think that you're going to bring someone into the family of God by hating on them, if you think you're going to bring someone into the family of God by pounding the Bible over their head, you're sadly mistaken. It is the love of God that draws us near. It's the love of God that changes our life. It's the love of God that sent His only begotten Son to die for us. That's what we have to understand. If this vision is to become reality, all it will be is a banner and words on the wall and a t-shirt that we wear around town if we're not willing to be the love that God has called us to be. Amen? Everything about our faith must be built on love. It must be the heartbeat of every Christian life. It must be the heartbeat of every true Christian church. It must be the heartbeat, church, of every true Christian vision. If there's a church vision that's not built on love, it's a faulty vision. Everything. Listen, go all the way back. The Bible says from the foundation of the earth, Jesus was slain. He was the epitome of God's love. He was the demonstration of God's love. And the Bible says that Jesus, the foundation of love, the epitome of God's love, the demonstration of His love, it was, He was slain from the foundation of the earth. So what that tells me is this whole universe was built on the love of God. And without the love of God, this universe wouldn't turn. Without the love of God, the sun wouldn't rise and the birds wouldn't sing and the trees wouldn't grow. Without the love of God, you wouldn't breathe in a single breath and your eyes wouldn't open and your feet wouldn't walk and your fingers wouldn't wiggle and your toes wouldn't move, church. Without the love of God. From the foundation of the earth, everything about God, everything we touch, everything we taste, everything that is good in our life was from the love of God, birthed out of His love. This world has a wrong understanding of who God is because we're not the love that we need to be. They think God is some super mean guy up in the... They think He's a villain instead of a hero. Because His children aren't filled with love. And we've got to change that, church. This vision must become reality for us. And the only way it will happen is if we begin with love. Amen? 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. I didn't say that. God said, if anyone confesses to love God, but can't love their brother, they're a fraud. Look up the definition. Not just a liar, fake, phony, fraud, pretender. That's what God is saying. And the sad reality is the house of God is filled with liars. The house of God is filled with phonies and fakes and hypocrites because they just don't know how to love their brother. They don't know how to love the world. They know how to pick up the phone and gossip. They know how to slander behind their back. They know how to kick them while they're down. They know how to judge them and and abuse them and accuse them. But they don't know how to love them like God loved us. Unconditionally and sacrificially. That's how we love one another. That's how we are to love this world. And if we don't, guess what? 
I didn't call you it. God calls you a fake. You're a liar if you cannot love your brother. That's what the Word says, church. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen can't love God who they haven't seen. If you can't love that person that sits with you, that you can touch and feel, that you can smell, that you can listen to, if you can't love them, how are you going to love a Father that's up in heaven that you can't see, can't touch, can't feel? You can't. Again, that's not my words, that's God's words. And that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. My point is this, if we can't love one another, we are false followers of Jesus Christ. If all we do is bicker and backbite, if all we do is abuse one another, if all we do is hold on to grudges and fail to forgive one another, sound like the church to me. Doesn't just sound like the world. I know people out there in the world that are friendlier and more forgiven than people in the house of God. You've done me wrong. That's the church, church. And, but my point is this. If that's all we can do is hold on to grudges and fail to forgive, if all we can do is gossip and accuse one another, then we are false followers of Jesus Christ. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples. They'll know that you're my offspring. They'll know that you're my sons and daughters. They'll know that you are part of the family of God, that you've been born of God by love. He said, by, if you love one another by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the reality is if we don't walk in that love, we're not walking in the truth. And if we're not walking in the truth, guess what? We are a walking lie. I don't mean to be like harsh. Listen, there's some times I've walked like a phony. I'm just telling you. There's times in my Christian life I've walked like a phony. But this is what God is trying to... If we don't walk in love, then we are not walking in truth. And if I'm not walking in truth, then, then what am I walking in? I'm walking in a lie, Amen. So that's why we must be filled with love because God doesn't need a bunch of walking lies. God doesn't need a bunch of false advertisements walking around on His behalf because false advertisements don't advance the kingdom of God. They hinder the kingdom of God. But you know what advances the kingdom of God? Someone that's filled with the love of God. And the love of God is unconditional and the love of God is self-sacrificing and sacrificial. And when you begin to live a selfless life and you begin to live a life that offers unconditional conditional love to those around you you watch how quickly they come to the kingdom of god god needs not false advertisement god needs some individuals that are walking and loving one another church and the reality is the love that we're talking about like i said it must be demonstrated god demonstrated it and jesus demonstrated it and we what the bible said we're supposed to love one another like he loved what like He loved us. So what that means is we are supposed to demonstrate that love. Because without love, or love without action rather, or love without deeds, or love without effort, or love without a cost, or a love without a sacrifice isn't real love at all. The love of God was filled with selflessness, and it was filled with sacrifice. It was filled with a heavy cost. And you know what that cost was. It was the cost of His only begotten Son. 
That's how he demonstrated his love towards us, church. But that's what we have to understand, that our love must be demonstrated. Otherwise, it's void. Otherwise, it's powerless. Or otherwise, it's empty. And otherwise, it's dead. The reality is love undemonstrated isn't love at all. It's nothing more than cheap talk. Love undemonstrated is nothing more than cheap talk. And the reality is, listen, this world is filled with enough cheap talk. Amen? Turn on the television screen. Listen to some politicians. Listen to some of our leaders that make all sorts of promises all the time. This world is filled with cheap talk. But my father was never filled with cheap talk. He demonstrated his love, and we have been called to do the same. He doesn't want cheap talkers. He wants some true individuals that are willing to walk out the love of God and, and, and be the love of God that He's called us to be. Undemonstrated love is not love at all. It's cheap talk. You see, remember the passage of Scripture? With your lips, you can show much love, while your heart is far from Him. The reality is our lips can be filled with sweet songs, and our, our, our lips can be filled with sweet words. And our love can be filled with sweet affection while our heart's filled with bitterness. You can be talking, on the, you, you can be talking to somebody around, talking all sorts of sweet things while you've got bitterness in your heart towards someone else. So everything that we speak, if our heart is filled with bitterness... If our heart is filled with unforgiveness, if our heart is filled with jealousy, if our heart is filled with junk, church, it doesn't matter how, how sweet the words that come out. It doesn't matter how sweet the singing is. If, if our heart is filled with, with bitterness, church, it doesn't matter. So what we have to do is make sure that our heart is filled with the love of God. So that's what comes out, church. We cannot live our life just with a bunch of cheap talk. You can tell your spouse you love them all you want. But unless you demonstrate that love, unless you deed that love or, or do that love or, or put that love into action, church, those words are meaningless and it only gets you so far. I've been married for 30 years. I know what I'm talking about. There's been a lot of times in the years that I've been married to my wife that it's been just talk. And it's not been demonstrated like it needs to. I've done the same thing with my kids over the years. And the reality is we do the same thing with God and we do the same thing with the people around us. We talk big, but we love small. And what God wants is a heart that's filled with His love so that we can love big, so we can love unconditionally, so we can love sacrificially. Amen? 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Amen? And again, what that teaches us is that love without action, love that's just words, is not true love at all. We have to, our love must be put into action. We have to devote ourselves to that. It reminds me of a quick story. It looks like I've got some time. And I don't know if I've told it before. I think I probably have. Some of you might not have heard it. See if I can remember it. This young man in love with uh, his girlfriend. You know, you know how it is when you're first in a relationship. Boy, you just do anything and everything. Just in love. And he calls up his girlfriend and 
he just starts saying all these sweet affections towards her, how beautiful she is and how sweet she is and how much he loves her. And she asks, well, how much do you love me? And he says, well, I love you so much that, that I would climb the highest mountain just to be able to stand by your side. And she, woo, how he goes on about the love again. Well, tell me more. Tell me, how much do you love me? Well, I would, I would brave the, the deepest jungles just to, just to get a, a, a sniff of your beautiful perfume. And I, would, I would fight through all of those things just to be by your side. Oh, and she swoons again. She just wants him to continue. And man, he thinks he's on a roll and get whatever he wants. And tell me once more, how much do you love me? Well, I would, I would go to the deepest parts of the ocean and I would brave the depths of the, the darkest, most troubling sea. I'd, I'd fight the sharks, blah, 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 goes on, just to be able to hold your hand. Oh, and she's so swooned and, and she can't wait to be be with them and she says oh i love you so much too i love you so much when when can you come and be with me and he looks out the window and says well as soon as it stops raining i'll be there but that's how we are we talk big but when it costs us something we're not willing to do it see talk can be cheap Actions and deeds are what matter, and actions and deeds are what count. Actions and deeds are what change the lives of people around us, amen? Again, I go back to that's why you and I changed, because of God's action, not because of God's words, because of how He demonstrated His love towards us. And if you want to impact somebody's life in your family, in your neighborhood, in in your workplace... Wherever it might be, if you want to impact someone, put some hands to the words. Put some feet to the words. Be more than a banner. Be more than a t-shirt. Be more than a slogan. Be more than cheap talk. Let love be the heartbeat of everything you say and everything you do. Amen? True love must be demonstrated just like it was towards us. 2,000 years ago in the small little town of Bethlehem when Jesus stepped down off of His throne and He was born as a little baby, laid in a manger. That was the beginning of God's demonstration of love towards us. That's how He demonstrated it. And then 33 and a half years later, we know how He demonstrated it again on Calvary's cross where He laid down His life for a friend. Greater love has no man than this. Then he lay down his life for a friend, again selfless, again unconditional. He laid his life down, guess what, when you were filthy and I was filthy. He laid down his life when I was undeserving and when I was unworthy, when I was unclean, when I was lost, when I was at the worst of worst, and you were at the worst of worst. God loved us anyway, and he demonstrated it by giving us his only begotten son, church, amen? That's what we have to understand. True love must be demonstrated. And the love that I'm talking about isn't just any old love. And I'm not going to try to get too theological with you, but it was an agape love. It was not, uh, we're not going to call it, there's three types of love. Eros love, phileo love, and, and, and agape love. Well, eros love, that's where we get the word erotic. It's sensual. 
It's romantic. You find it on a Valentine's card. You find it in a box of chocolates and stuff like that. It's, that's not the kind of love that he's talking about that we are to have towards one another. Because that kind of love is self-seeking. That kind of love can be turned around. It's all about self-satisfaction and self-seeking. So that's not the kind of love he's talking about. When he says love one another, he's not saying have an eros love towards one another. What he's saying, and now listen, I'm not saying that we can't have a, a sensual love inside of a marriage relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. God created that. But listen to me. If that love isn't built on the love of God, if that love is not built on the love of agape love, that love is perverted. That love becomes unclean. Every form of love must be built on agape love. And that's what he's talking about here. The sad reality is there's too many bedrooms and too many marriages that don't have agape love. They're trying to build their marriage and build their relationship on eros love alone and on phileo love alone. And it's not enough to see it through. It's not enough to get you through the storms. It's not enough to get you through the struggles. Because listen to me, eros love is always about feeling good and having that romantic moment. But sometimes the candles go out and sometimes the flower fades. And the agape kind of love is the only love that will endure the trying times of marriage and the trying times of life. If all it's about is how it makes you feel, that, not, that kind of love is going to die and grow cold. And that's why so many individuals are divorced and so many marriages are broken. And that's not even in my notes. And while I'm going here, I don't know. I'm just telling you that we must have agape love in every marriage. And every marriage bed must be built on agape love. It's the only way relationships will last, church. Thank you, Lord, whatever you gave me that for. Agape love isn't phileo love either, which is a friendship type of love. It is a brotherly type of love. Best example I can give you that how that fails, Philadelphia, from where I'm from. If you didn't know that, I'm from the Philadelphia area of Pennsylvania. It, Philadelphia came from the, the term phileo. Brotherly love. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, and it has more homicides in that city than any other city besides Chicago. So I'm telling you, just phileo love ain't enough. And the, t- t- the title of it, because listen, that's filled with hatred too. Phileo love will fail. Agape love never fails. That's the kind of love God has towards us. That's the kind of love He demonstrated on Calvary's cross. Listen, if the only love Jesus had in his heart was Eros love, as soon as he didn't feel good, whoop, he'd have been out the door. He would have never been beaded. He would have never stood in front of Pilate. He would have never done any of that. If the only love he had was Eros, if the only love he had towards his disciples was brotherly love, when Peter walked away, when the rest of the disciples failed him, when Judas denied him, that brotherly love was broken. Jesus Christ was filled with agape love and the agape love of God, which is unconditional and sacrificial. It's what kept him on the cross. It's what kept him moving forward. And the same thing goes true with us. We have to have agape love in our life if we want to be like God, if we want to be like Christ, if we want to make a difference. Agape love is unique and it's distinguished by its nature and its character. And I just taught you what its nature is and what its character is. It's selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional. 
This is the love that must become flesh in our lives. It must become living and it must become active in our lives as well. For God demonstrated agape love. When you read that passage and it says, for God demonstrated his love, in the Greek it's God demonstrated agape towards us. And that while we were sinners, and it gives you a better understanding, agape means unconditional, sacrificial, selfless. God demonstrated agape towards us in that while we were sinners, while we were lost, while we were undeserving, while we were unworthy, while we were unclean, while we were filthy and filled with sin, and everything that was displeasing to Him, His unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love sent His Son anyway. I don't know about you, but that just moves me, church, to understand where I was and the type of love that it would take for Him to have sent His Son from glory and from heaven when I was undeserving and die for me. And when the world understands that, the world will come to Christ. When we are the love incarnate, when we are the love of God and we are the love of Christ, it cannot help bring people into the kingdom of God. Why do you think you were drawn to God? Because of the love of Him. Why do you think we we were because of the love that was demonstrated? Amen? We must demonstrate the love of God, church. This is the nature that we are to have as His offspring. If we are His offspring, just like any earthly child is an offspring, they share DNA. They share character traits. They share nature. Unfortunately, in in an earthly realm, some of those character traits are bad and some of them are good. My kids might walk like me. My kids might have hair like me. My kids might have a temper like me. You understand? There are character traits that are passed down as children of God who is selfless and who is love. God is love. Okay? As His offspring, our nature and our character should be like His. And anything that's contrary to that is not of God. And so we need to crucify those things and we need to bury those things and we need to continually pray for the nature of God and the character of God to be developed and strong in our life. Amen? The truth is love is a verb and it must be put into action. The love that he's talking about, it has to come off of this t-shirt. And it has to come off of the banners. And it has to come off of the posters and the postcards and and the business cards. It has to come off the wall. And it has to make it to our hands. And it has to make it to our feet. And it has to make it out there into that lost and dying world. It's a verb. It's an action word. And it must be put into action if we are to accomplish anything for the kingdom. It has to get past our lips and get past the t-shirts, like I said, into our hands and into our feet so we can be a demonstration of God's love. Amen? One of the things that we're working on in the staff is to make that a reality here at South Metro. In the next couple months, there's going to be opportunity for us to be the hands and feet of God. We're going to get out into the community and demonstrate the love of God. Service programs and different types of things that we can take the love of God out there into the world, church. 
Because unless we're willing to go out there, what we do in here doesn't matter. Listen, I can preach all nice and fancy and we can sing pretty songs and we can say nice things in the house of God. But please understand me, what I preach in here and what I say in here and what I sing in here pales in comparison to what I do out there. It pales in comparison. And you want to know why so many churches are dead? Because all they do is preach and sing and say. They don't do. And we have to, if we want to be what our vision says, we have to do it, not say it. We have to become it and not just say it, church. And we're going to give you opportunity to go and be a part of that. And when that happens, I promise you, this church is going to change. This church will be full and we won't be able to keep people away. Because we are demonstrating the love of God. Amen? Listen, the Word of God doesn't say they will know we are Christians because we go to church. It doesn't say they'll know we're Christians because I carry the biggest Bible. It doesn't even say they'll know we're Christians because I can quote more scriptures than anybody else. It doesn't say that they'll know that we're Christians because I preach a good sermon. It doesn't say that they, they'll know that I'm a Christian because I'm in the choir and I, I sing nice songs. It didn't say that. It said they will know we are Christians by our love, by our nature, church, by the nature and character of Christ that we put on display and that we demonstrate out there in the world. That's how they will know that we are Christians. So we've got to get past the talk, amen? And we've got to start doing That's how we will affect the kingdom of God and and this world as well in order for us to better understand all of what I'm talking about, church. They will know we are Christians by our nature of self-sacrificing love. If we look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it tells us, gives us an idea of, of love. Sacrificial, and you all know it, it's the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud, okay? When it talks about is not, that's what the world offers. That's what a non-believer, a non-Christian is full of. A non, they're full of envy. They're full of boasting. They're full of pride. They dishonor others. They're self-seeking. But it says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no records, no records of wrong. That's a powerful one. It keeps no records of wrong. We sit around in the house of God. Well, last week they did this. Yesterday they said that. Five years ago they did this. We keep records of wrong. And we wonder why we have no impact. Because true love keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And this is the kind of love that God's talking about, church, and that we are to demonstrate as well. This is the nature of God and the, the character of God, which we've been called to demonstrate in a world that's filled with hatred, that's filled with pride, that's filled with unkindness, that's filled with jealousy and envy and greed and strife. This world is filled with that, and that's why we have been commanded to demonstrate a different kind of character and a different kind of nature, which is the love of God. Amen? Here's one of the things that we need to look at. We, I believe we can take these passages and kind of mix them up. They will know we are Christians if you take 
love is patient, love and kind, you mix it with the other passage, that they will know we are Christians by our love. Well, if love is patient, then I believe we can say they will know we are Christians by our nature of patience. They will know that we are Christians by our character of kindness. They will know that we are Christians by our nature of humility. Because human nature is not humble. Human nature is not kind. Human nature is easily angered and easily jealous. That's human nature. And the only way that they will know that we are Christians is if we have a godly nature and a heavenly nature. So they will know, I believe we can say that, they will know that we are Christians by the nature of God that is demonstrated in our life, by kindness and by gentleness and by humility and by by patience, all of these things that it says in here, church, by being humble. That's how they will know that we are Christians, by the character that we display and demonstrate in the midst of this world. Love, love must be the heartbeat of the church. And it must be the heartbeat of you and me. The Word of God actually tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, again, the love chapter, you all should know it. If I speak in, uh, with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if you study this and you know it, what it's saying is that I can speak in tongues of men and angels, but if I have not love, I'm an annoying noise to God. I'm an annoying noise. That's powerful if you understand that. What that is saying is that I can speak with tongues of men and angels. I can sing beautiful songs in the house of God. I can preach eloquent and powerful sermons. I can speak in, in, in heavenly tongues. I, I can do all of those things, but if I have not love, all of it is annoying to God. Do you know that if you're singing a sweet song and you've got bitterness in your heart, that song is annoying to God? He'd rather turn you off and not listen to you. I can stand here behind this pulpit and I can preach the most powerful, eloquent sermon you've ever heard in your life. And it can even bring you to your feet. But if I have ought against my brother in my heart while I'm preaching it, God wants to turn me off. Because it's annoying to Him. It's annoying to God when we're all words, but we're no action. When we have bitterness in our heart, when we have jealousy in our heart, when we have envy in our heart, when we have unforgiveness of our heart, all of our songs annoy God. All of our sweet words annoy God. All of the sermons annoy God. You're like a clanging cymbal. They annoy me. Clang, clang, clang. That's the way we are with God. That's what we become if we are not filled with the love of God. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. You see, so many times we think we're so awesome in the kingdom because we're doing all these things. We think so highly of ourselves. Man, that was a great sermon. Woo, I gave a word. Woo this and woo that. But if I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm this. I'm nothing. And you want to know why I'm nothing? Because if we have not love, I'm nothing like Jesus Christ. 
If I have not love, it don't matter how much I prophesy. It doesn't matter how many words of knowledge I speak. None of that matters. I'm nothing if I don't have love. That's what God is saying. So at the heart of everything we do, we need to make sure that we are built on love, church. I'm nothing if I don't have love in my life. And if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, uh, this is even cranking it up to a higher spiritual level. Notice what it's saying. This is like, this is like spiritual pride at its greatest. You know, we get that way sometimes. But this one says, if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, uh, but do not love God or do not have love, it profits me nothing. Profits me nothing. What this is saying is none of that stuff matters. The tongues don't matter. The sermons don't matter. The songs don't matter. The gifts don't matter. The sat, all of, none of that matters. The, the prophecy doesn't matter. Your faith doesn't. None of it matters if we don't have love. This may sound heretical to you. But the Word of God, this would be meaningless. This would be powerless. This would be nothing but empty words if God didn't demonstrate His love in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ. This would be nothing more than another book that's on the bookshelf of a bookstore if God didn't demonstrate His love. This would be meaningless if God didn't demonstrate His love. These words would be no greater than the the words of some great philosopher. Wouldn't be any greater than, uh, who who are some of those? Aristotle, I think, right? These words are powerful. They're living, they're active, because they were built and demonstrated. They were demonstrated towards us in the form of Jesus Christ. And my point is this, if we don't have love, it's all meaningless. Everything we do, what we think we do for the kingdom, it's empty, meaningless, and powerless if we're not filled with love. Amen? He demonstrated His love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, He died for us. And ever since then, He's been calling us to do the same. He's been calling us to do the same. To be love, church, to a lost and dying world. I'm going to close with this. 159 years ago, On Sunday, November 23rd, 1856, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers and authors in Christendom, wrote these words 159 years ago. So a little bit, you know, he uses fancy words with a lot of THs at the end. Okay? So just understand, these are his words. I shall have nothing new to tell you. It will be as old as the everlasting hills and so simple that a child may understand it. Love's demonstration. God demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's commendation and demonstration of His nature and of His love is not in words, but in deeds. When the Almighty God would commend His love to sinful man, it was not written and does not say that God demonstrated His love towards us in an eloquent oration. It is not written that he demonstrated his love by winning professions and confessions, but he demonstrated his love towards us by an act, by a deed, an amazing and surprising deed. 
the unutterable grace of which eternity itself shall scarce discover. He demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were yet underlying sinners, He died for us. Let us learn then upon the threshold of our text that if we would commend our love towards anyone, it must be by deeds and not by words. Men may talk fairly and think that thus they shall win great esteem. They may order their words aright and think that so they shall command respect. But let them remember, it is not the wordy oratory of the tongue, but the more powerful eloquence of the hand which wins the affection of the world's great heart. It's the greatest part of this text, and I'm going to say it again. It is not the wordy oratory of the tongue, but the more powerful eloquence of the hand, which wins the affection of the world's great heart. If thou wouldest commend thyself to thy fellows or neighbors or anyone else, then go and do, don't go and say. If thou wouldest win honor from the excellent, talk not, but act. And if before God thou wouldest show that thy faith is sincere and thy love to him is real, remember it is no fawning words uttered either in prayer or in praise, but it is in the pious deed and the holy act, which is the justification of thy faith and the proof that it is the faith of God's elect, doing, not saying, acting, not talking. These are the things which commend a man. And so what is more powerful? What has the ability to change the hearts of men and change the hearts of this world or change the hearts of this earth, church, is the eloquence of the hand. We must be more than words. We must be more than a t-shirt. We must be more than a banner or a slogan. We must be more than a poster. We must be the hands and we must be the feet of God. And these hands can't accomplish anything for the kingdom unless the heart is filled with the love of the kingdom. How many of you want to have an impact in this world? How many of you want to make a difference? I just want you to stand to your feet. Amen. Can we just bless God for his word? That's not my word. This is God's word. Close with this. Because the same holds true today what I've just said from Charles Spurgeon. Love without action is empty. Christianity without love is hypocrisy. And a Christian without love and without demonstrating it is a fraud. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a fraud. And I don't want my love to be empty. I want to be useful for the kingdom. I want to be powerful for the kingdom. But if I don't have love, I can't do anything for the kingdom.